Welcome to Exodus, California. I'm your host, Joanne Kraft, and my husband, Paul, will be your co-host as we share our story about how we left California and made our home in the rolling hills of Tennessee. Exodus, California is a podcast for Californians who've had enough and are getting ready to pull the trigger and make that move out of a state they once loved. Welcome to Exodus, California, moving to Tennessee. I am your host, Joanne Kraft, and I am here with my husband and co-host, Paul Kraft. Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody. We have a very cool guest today on our show, and it's somebody that many of you have actually reached out to ask uh, us to interview, our son, Samuel. Did they reach out for me personally? Yeah, I guess that sounded personal, huh? They didn't ask for you. No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend y'all have been getting DMs. I'm sure <laughs> sure some of my friends who follow the Instagram page have been hyping it up. Okay, so Samuel Kraft uh, was not asked for personally, but we were asked by lots of people to get our kids' perspective on what a move of this magnitude looks like. And so we're gonna be talking to Samuel today and asking him questions about what it looked like when he was 11 years old and we moved here. He is now 22, a graduate from UTC, Chattanooga. And I'll let Paul kind of take the bio from here. So uh, what are you doing now, Samuel? Um, so in December of last year, I graduated semester early. Woohoo! Yep, there we go. Graduated semester early from University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with like the SEC or Southeastern schools, it's not the big orange one. It's uh, the moccasins. Um, Yep. Go Mox. So I graduated there in December with a degree in business management and I'm now doing real estate. I'm in from Nashville to Chattanooga. Started this about six months ago. Worked up in Nashville for a minute. Lived above y'all's garage. Not for long. Yeah. Just about six months. Just a blink. Um, It was fun. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, I'm back in Chattanooga now, though. Got my own place again. And uh, yeah, just living life. And so we we moved to the Nashville area, which is kind of right in the middle of Tennessee, about 30 minutes south of Nashville, actually. You're now living in Chattanooga, which is in the very southeast corner of Tennessee. Tell us about Chattanooga a little bit, a city overview for people that aren't familiar with it. Yeah, so Chattanooga is uh, Nashville's hippie cousin. It's about <laughs> two hours, two hours away, nestled in the mountains. Absolutely beautiful. It's like internationally regarded as just like, Tons of trails, scenic areas. I mean, just driving downtown, there's pedestrian bridges across the Tennessee River, mountains. So I I love that. Um, And it's also pretty centrally located in terms of like southeast. It's actually like one of the biggest trucking hubs in the country because like... I was going to say it also doesn't have the best uh, internet. It does. It's called nicknamed Gig City because they have like, I think it's the specific company down here, they're testing out like some fiber optic. I, I had internet problems all last week and it made me realize I have no idea what the internet actually is, but they're testing out like fiber optics and it has just super fast internet. So one of the only drawbacks is it's, it's on Eastern time. It's literally like 10 minutes across that time zone. Like you cross it on the drive, the time zone change. I mean, it doesn't really affect anything terrible. It's just like sporting events and stuff are super late. Well, and super late. But what time, how long does it take you to get from Chattanooga, maybe just into Nashville? Because a lot of people don't understand just how how Tennessee does have different time zones. Yeah, it's about two hours. So on the clock, it changes. I'm sorry, I have my dog trying to climb up on the chair with me. Um <laughs> It's about two hours from Nashville, two hours from Knoxville, two hours from Atlanta. That's why I was saying it's kind of a little central. It's it's great. It's kind of a smaller city and, like I said, kind of nestled in the mountains. So get a small city feel with if I ever want to see a concert or anything, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to Atlanta so or Nashville. How far are you away from um, going to an international airport? What's the time frame there? Okay, I'm sorry. You said two hours. Yeah, so Chattanooga's right at the Georgia border. Yeah, it's you can. Uh, there's been several times where I've accidentally just like realized I'm in Georgia, just driving down a road. So, mm-hmm. what, before we talk about what you're doing now with real estate, because you do come from a real estate family, so that 
that's pretty clear. Uh, Samuel is our youngest of four, and uh, we have a daughter, a son, a daughter, and a son. Samuel is giving you the youngest of our four's perspective of what it looked like uh, moving from California to Tennessee. So, Samuel, if you could maybe share with us, you know, what do you remember about us telling you or about did we what were we talking about? Was it always Tennessee? How did your siblings take it? Kind of give us that view. Um, So my my memories, I I moved out of here when we were 11. So, yeah, I'm the one who kind of grew up the most in Tennessee. In fact, next year, it'll be I'll be the first one who's lived in Tennessee longer than I did in California. Um, Y'all still got a ways to go. But, but, um, letting your ageist ageist attitude show through on the podcast. Nice. Good call. Um, no. So yeah, I moved out here. Well, we moved out here when I was 11. My earliest memories are actually when we were talking about moving out to Texas back when I was in second grade. And I remember like telling my friends, I was like, this is the end boys. That's next year. You won't see me. I'll be in Texas. I'll be a cowboy. And then third grade came around and I was still in the classroom. And then y'all were like in fifth grade or whatever. You're like, hey, moving to Tennessee. And I, I honestly, I, I didn't believe it at that point. I was like, yeah, my parents, they were moving to Tennessee again. Like y'all know how this goes. And then sixth grade came and I was in Tennessee. So y'all definitely uh, bluffed your way into that one. Did not know what was, when we were, where we were really going. But yeah, uh, ended up in Tennessee middle school. What do you remember our reasons were? Do you remember any of our reasons for leaving California? Um, did you remember us telling you it was an adventure? Where did we tell you this at? Do you recall where you were? Yeah, I remember when you said like we were actually moving to Tennessee. It was we had done a few trips out here for I know it was, one was for your conference. I don't remember what the other one was for. But uh yeah, we had done a couple trips. I remember we were in Palm Springs at Grandma and Grandpa's timeshare. We were like I had a super sweet slide. I mean, I was 11. This is the stuff that sticks out. Super <laughs> sweet slide in the pool and like we were getting ready. I don't know if we had just come back or something. All I know is like, y'all are like, hey, we have to have a family meeting. And I was like, guys, this can wait. Like, <laughs> how often do I get a 30-foot water slide? <laughs> and uh, y'all are like, hey, like we're we're moving to Tennessee. And I mean, I was 11. I'm, I didn't object. I don't think I really could have. I mean, I it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's I'm 11 years old, parents are moving, and yeah, I guess we're we're moving. As far as the reasonings went, no idea. I had zero frame of reference for that. Um, all I remember was dad complaining about gas prices like all the time, and so that's what I thought it was. Like, no joke. Up until like early high school, people would ask me like, "Did you guys move because your dad's job?" I was like, "No, he just really hated the gas prices out there." So, <laughs> I mean, I guess they're better here. I don't know. So yeah, it wasn't until like high school kind of set in that I realized it was the culture, the opportunities, everything about like the the real reasons we moved out. So we came to visit Tennessee twice. You kind of alluded to that before. Once was for a Christian mom's conference that mom had written some books for and and was a speaker at. And then the other one was just an exploratory visit to come check out Tennessee. What do you remember from those two trips? Did that make you like more excited to move to Tennessee or was it still just kind of indifference? What do you re- what do you recall? I don't remember the exploratory visit as much. I remember the Riders Conference. I remember we stayed in the Grand Old Opry. Uh, my main memory from that one is you Grand had- Old Opry, The Grand Old Opry Hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. The Grand Old Opry Hotel. My main memory from that one, Dad, is you having me and David uh, park the car because you didn't want to pay for Grand Old Opry Hotel parking. You're making me sound really, really cheap on this podcast here. I'm, I'm I don't mind. Really I'm just... what I'm hearing. What yeah, I'm hoping well, is I'm painting it how it went. I um, recall this so well. Go ahead, son. Tell your yeah. story. I, uh, you were like, hey, David was like 16. He may have been 15. You were that cheap. Just didn't want to pay. Just like, here's the keys. Go park over at this restaurant and then just walk back in. Me and David parked, yeah, me and David parked like a 10-minute walk away. It was summertime. and I mean, in California, it's summertime. It's dry heat all the time. Looking back on it, now that I've lived here long enough, I can tell like, oh, like the second you step outside, it's like storms coming, like the wind, something in the air, like you can feel it. Back then, again, we had no frame of reference. So it was just like, oh, it's a hot day, a little cloudy. Clouds are kind of dark. Oh, it's raining. And it starts pouring down rain as me and David are walking back in tank tops and shorts. And I mean, just at like Tennessee thunderstorm, torrential downpour. We walk into the hotel and it's a massive hotel. If you guys haven't visited or haven't been, it's a 
It's like a landmark. It is huge. There's a garden. There's a river running through the inside. Rest. I mean, it's it's crazy like, big. Like being in a terrarium. Yeah. And uh, somehow in this massive hotel, right when me and my brother come in, literally dripping wet, uh, we run into my mom and like 10 of her writer friends. No, that this is it? where you were so wrong. No, you ran into me having a lunch date with two writers and a writing agent, basically a publishing agent from one of the big publishing houses. And we were pitching our book ideas and it was a very important meeting. And you, Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously we didn't have your itinerary. So me and David saw you sitting at a lunch and we're like, Oh mom. (laughs) Hey mom. And I remember there's been very few times where like, you've looked at me in shame. And that was one of them where I was like, Oh, Oh. I didn't have to own up to this one. She was like, these are my sons. And we were like, oh, yeah. So, but. <laughs> but, but yeah, did you jump in the pool and jump in the It looked like you jumped in the pool. No, no. lie. It yeah. was it was a massive storm. And that's something, I mean, like I said, now we're used to it. But, yeah, coming out here, we, we had no reference. That's kind of my biggest memory from that time. Besides that, yeah, I don't remember. I remember Knoxville. I remember Calhoun's. I remember just going little snippets. Again, I was I was young. It wasn't. And I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to live here. I was just like, oh, we're on a trip. So tell me, looking back now, um, and feel free to share, I think, the story I know you're going to share. What are some of, if you can share this first, what are some of the worst things? Once you, once we got here, do you have a worst memory of being in junior high? Because that is a hard time. We, we moved specifically when you were in sixth grade, and Lucy yeah. was in eighth grade. And I think if I know my son correctly, you know, yeah. you're not going to talk about school being as hard because you kind of held back and didn't make friends real quick. You, you're the kid who kind of waits on that, right? Yeah. I learned networking at a very early age. At that age, I called it, I thought I was revolutionizing the industry. I called it branching out. I was like, if I make one friend, then all of his friends become my friends. And then I can just become friends. So like, I was like, who do I want to be my friend? Like which friend? So I, yeah, I sat back a little bit. Your siblings have always made fun of you for that. Yeah. You're like, are you using the friend to make another no, friend? Never. Okay. We stayed okay. friends. But no, yeah, I was, that's kind of my approach. It wasn't as much the the making friends. Honestly, one of the, I will say one of the nice things about coming in at that, I mean, at any age, but I mean, the younger, the better, in my opinion, that you can move out here because, I mean, our like new student orientation was like half of the class. Like they had a specific orientation for people who came from out of state. And it was like, like literally like a hundred something kids in every year because there's just that many people. So it wasn't like, I was like, we didn't move to some small, like a 50 person high school where they're like, Oh, we all like, no, it was, everyone's moving out here. So, I mean, it's, it's more common to meet someone who wasn't born here than it is to meet someone born here. That was Uh, in 2012. That was way yeah. back before so many people who are our listeners now even had Tennessee on their crosshairs. Yeah. But yeah, I, it definitely, I mean, it definitely wasn't easy. I mean, I don't think middle school is the time that anyone really looks back on fondly. I think moving to a whole different state, moving to a different school, I don't think it made it any easier. I will say, I, I think the the first middle school I went to, I didn't like as much as the second one. I think that would have probably been... If I if I were to change anything or to tell you like go back in time and tell you, hey, I would have just said, hey, before like stay in the same school district or whatever. Like if you're gonna move us into Heritage, move us to Heritage Middle School. If you're gonna attend this page, like because that's kind of where you start building up those relationships. Well, and and what you're talking about, because a lot of people don't know what you mean by that. We moved to Williamson County and we rented in Williamson mm-hmm. County. And so the kids went to Heritage Middle School for a year. And yeah. then we realized very quickly that we were going to be staying. And so we had we got into a house that next school season. And so you ended up being in the Fred J. Page high school jurisdiction and middle school jurisdiction. Yeah. So you had to go one year and then the next year. And you yeah. said it didn't make it not fun, but you also... I have to say, at least I don't recall you be crying yourself to sleep at night at all. No, I don't think that ever really happened. Um, the one, and I again, it's the story you referenced earlier. The one, like the hard part was, I mean, yeah, I was a kid leaving my friends. I remember. You can tell this story. Go ahead. I uh, I tried out for the soccer team in sixth grade, and I didn't make it. 
you know. Well, just, in your defense, though, you played varsity soccer all through high school. So you had a minor setback. I wasn't going to bring that up, but thank you for mentioning. Yes, I did get a lot better as the years went on. Um, but sixth grade, I wasn't in my prime. It was a tough time, very tough. That was sort of one of my things where I was like, if I'm on the soccer team, I'm going to be like, it's instant friends. Like I get 11 friends. Like this is, this is perfect. This is going to work great. And then I got cut and I was like, I wish I had my old friends back and everything. And I, mom, you tried to buy me a milkshake like seven times on the four minute drive back. Like, do, do you want a milkshake? And I'm like, I don't root want beer a float. root beer float. I don't want any iced dessert. Me and Gracie were in the front seat and we, we had you, you ran up to look to see if your name was up at the school mm-hmm. and we could tell by how you walked back to the car and her and I were like, Oh no. Oh yeah. no. Didn't make the yeah. team. Oh, that was, that was definitely rough. And I remember I was, I was crying in my room. I went back, I went to my room, locked door, like started crying. You came in like a good mom to try and comfort me. You're like, Hey buddy, it's okay. Like stuff happened. Started telling me about your soccer career, which you love bringing up. And then I was like, you know what? No, so I want to go back to California. I miss my friends. I miss my, my best friends in California were Trent and Nate. I mean, I was at their house every day. Their family was a second family to me. I mean, like they had six kids. So I was, I was just number seven. And what like my best, best friends, I was like, I want to go back. I want to be with Trent and Nate. Like I miss that. I miss that. And I remember you told me like, you're like, oh, honey, Trent and Nate's parents got a divorce. They're not even there anymore. As I'm already just torn apart about getting cut from the soccer team, okay. and you Looking. said that like it would, you said that like it would be like, oh, like my 12 year old emotional self would be like, oh, you're right, good point. Hadn't thought about that. My best friend's family is broken now. That was a mom fail. That was a mom fail. But I felt they were great and honestly a precious family. But I, yeah. oh, I, I wanted to fix it, so I thought, well, you're not going to miss going home if you know they're not there. There's nothing oh. back. There's nothing for you there anymore. Okay. Is basically what you said. It's basically the message. Let me fix your bad news with even worse news. Yeah. So I remember that that was uh that was the probably the the lowest point of the move. Well, how long did it take though until you felt, I guess, acclimated or, or until you kind of felt, you know, good about being here where you had made some friends? How long did it take to get that? You know, I don't miss California. Yeah. I like Tennessee feeling. I would probably say eighth grade. And that's because, I mean, like you said, we did Heritage Middle School for sixth grade. If we had stayed at Heritage, then I probably would have said seventh grade. But uh, the second year at my new school was definitely the time where I was like, because that was when I was like, you're going. It was my first time since, I mean, fifth grade that I was walking into a school I knew where it was like a new year, but I know the hallways. I know like, oh, this person's in my class. Thank God. Like sixth and seventh grade, I was walking into a completely unknown first day of school every year. So yeah, I'd probably say eighth grade. And I had my established friends, started making those, some people friends with people who are still my friends to this day. I mean, that's, that's when I would say. So if you were talking to somebody who's 11 years old or 12 years old moving here, you'd say, hey, give it a good year to, you know, let yourself, you know, feel comfortable here. It's not going to happen on day one. Yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, uh, it's it's that's, tough to manage those expectations where it's because, uh, I mean, that's what you guys are telling. You guys would be like, hey, give it a year or two. And I remember just being like, I mean, when you're 11 years old, a year or two is 20 percent of your life. I mean, like, it's like, give it a year or two. Like, what do you mean? That's forever. So well, I'd probably just be like, just don't expect I was expecting it to be like how I was expecting like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have that same friend group. Like there's going to be this person and there's going to be this person. And it was like, no, there's different people. There's different friends. Just focus on that. Find the people you like here. Don't try and make it like it was back there. Well, if I could say one of the things I think we did well as, as parents, cause yes, I, we did have some fails um, was getting you guys involved in things, whether it was church youth group or consistently going to, or, or um, we had you refereeing soccer games to make some money. We had you playing sports. And we also, when dad was gone, I, I really tried every Saturday to take you to Marcy Joe's so you could get, I mean, we just had us like oh. somewhere we went every week. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. No, I remember and like you were talking, building the community. Yeah. No, I remember Y'all were definitely very big in the getting involved. You have to do something athletic, something in a club, like something to get you out of the house and make friends. And that was definitely beneficial. Marcy Joe's. Yeah. Marcy Joe's every Saturday was a super sweet time. Cause I mean, it definitely was a tough point, but 
we went there, they became, they really, I mean, Southern hospitality to the up like oomph degree. Like it was a, it was a great little family run business. I mean, they eventually became to the spot where it was like, they know what we're getting. They would bring me the tray, like little 13 year old <laughs> me, they'd finish a tray of cinnamon rolls and they'd bring me the tray before they took it back to the dishwasher. I'm guessing this breaks some health code standards because I was literally licking that thing clean just in the middle of the restaurant. And um, you, we would eventually have the kids. We really befriended their kids who are now grown and have kids of their own, but they would come to our house and watch movies. And we just, we, we were consistent in just forcing ourselves to put ourselves out there, even when it was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Being a part of those things, those groups, like soccer teams, athletic churches, whatever it is, is again, I'm, I'm able to look at this now with the perspective of a 22 year old, but I mean, at the time trying to kind of bring myself back to that time, it's, it's super uncomfortable. I remember not being happy that you guys were like, Hey, you're going to another youth group this week. I was like, can I please just sit in my, like, I don't want to meet new people. I don't want to make new friends. Like this is, it's awkward and uncomfortable, but like I said earlier, I mean, that was the start of people who I still hang out with and talk to to this day. So looking back now as, you know, somebody in their early 20s who's, you know, graduated college here, if you could go back and talk to your 11-year-old self, what would you tell, what would you tell 11-year-old Samuel about, hey, here's what this is going to look like and, and here's what you can do to make it easier. Here's what, you know, you want to avoid. What, what advice would you have? Hmm. I mean, with that, I mean, I can give specific things like, hey, don't talk to this person or, hey, forget about this event. Like, just overarching themes, I would definitely just be like, hey, like, I don't know when the line is crossed, but eventually you will never want to move back to California. There's no set time where it's just like you're going to wake up one Tuesday morning and be like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's no. But like eventually, like now, today nowhere in my sights do I see myself leaving the South to be more like Tennessee. I mean, I love Tennessee. I can see myself being happier. That's what I would say. I'd be like, Hey, it sucks. Now it's going to suck for a while. It's there's nothing I can do to make that easier. Eventually it's going to pay off. Like I said, it's a tough thing to explain to a preteen or earlier, just like, Hey, be patient. But to relate it back to kind of maybe your personal training certificate, when you first start out, you know, training, hey, the first, you know, couple of weeks or months, it's going to be hard. You're, you're learning new things. You're you're training your body to do things. But a year or two years from now, you're really going to start to see the benefits and it's going to be easier for you to maintain that. It's yeah. Results aren't instant. And, it, and it's something where you can make friends day one at a new school. There's going to be other new kids. There's going to be someone who you have a matching backpack or something in common with like you can make those friends, but you don't see how it pays off until, I mean, years down the road. So, I mean, I mean, just for example, my now roommate and friend since like early high school, Caden, who I'm rooming with now, he, I mean, we were friends maybe sophomore year of high school. We've known each other since middle school, kind of became friends sophomore year of high school. If you had asked me, like, even just graduating high school, like, hey, y'all are going to be like really good friends living together. I've been like, eh, probably not. But again, something where you don't, you can't just see the future and be like, yeah, these are the people you're going to stay close with, get closer with. It's just, yeah, you have to wait. If I could talk to the moms, especially right now, since I am a mom and have that perspective, it's, it's exactly what you're saying, Samuel. You're not going to make your child happy. You're going to have to be okay with them being sad for a while. And no amount of root beer floats are going to help. Uh, you know, you're going to have some parenting fails, but you have to look at the long game and not not back down when you know, especially and especially as they get older into the teen years and they're they look like adults, but they don't have that adult perspective that it is going to be OK. And this is a long game. This is not a short game. So their discomfort now is minimal compared to their adult perspective and what you're doing for them in their future. And I mean, not speaking from a mom's perspective, obviously. Um, I think everybody picked up on that. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, by this point um, in the podcast, I think everybody's figured that out about you. Yeah, yeah. Never know. But um, but yeah, no, speaking just like 
from what I've seen with my friends and from just, I mean, my older siblings, I'd say that earlier you can get out here is kind of the better. I mean, yeah, it's going to be difficult, but would you rather have vague memories of awkwardness and like a new school when you're seven years old, or would you rather have like vivid memories of moving across the country when you're 16 or 17? I mean, no matter what, it's going to be difficult, but like, when you're 16 or 17, you have less time to acclimate. You have less time to make those friends before you're off to college and like develop those big relationships. I mean, yeah, it's, it's never going to be easy. No one, I don't think any kid is going to be like, like I said, I, I thought it was gas prices. You're never going to be able to explain to an eight-year-old, hey, the political ramifications of California's future are tanking the economy. And because of that and your job opportunities in the future and college debt, we need to move you across country. No eight year old is going to be like, I knew it. Like, I no. gave it my best shot to explain that to you, you though. I, to, I at least made the attempt over. No. But yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's just, it's not going to make sense. It's going to be difficult, but it'll pay off. One of the things you talked about was moving kind of that 15, 16, 17 year old out here and that being a difficult time. But one of the things you have to look forward to, you don't have in California is SEC schools. I mean, you've got University of Tennessee, Knoxville, you've got Alabama, you've got Ole Miss, you've got Mississippi State. You just went to an SEC game at Mississippi State, right? Mississippi State, yeah. I went to How my was first that? I mean, game. talk about what that's like, because California doesn't oh. have anything comparable. The energy and the pride of Tennessee or just even southern towns or around there, I mean, just everything. If you're from, frankly, like the high school you went to, if you're from – Knoxville, I mean, go to Knoxville on a game day and wear anything but orange. I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get some dirty looks. And I mean, going to Mississippi State game because one of my buddies is down there. I mean, it's first of all, there's I don't know how many listeners are familiar with like there's traditions at these schools, things that have been going on for years, like chants and things. Mississippi State's tradition is cowbells. And my buddy who went down there, he's a huge fan. I tried to explain the story. Apparently, like, in, like, the 40s or something, a cow snuck on the field. And, like, then they started winning the game. They see it as, like, a good luck charm. So they all, like, 12,000 people, maybe more, bring in these huge metal cowbells and ring them for four quarters straight of football. And it's it's pretty annoying. It's it's definitely headache-inducing. But it's also, I mean, the pride and the energy of that is, like, yeah, it sucks until you're waving that cowbell, and then you're like, "Okay, this is this is cool." Uh, and I was going to say, you have uh, so you, you know Knoxville, where UT Knox or UT Tennessee, that's a fairly small town. Mississippi, that's in a town called Starkville, which has a population of about six thousand. But on yep. football day, what happens? It's uh, I want to say during the school year, the town's population is like literally. I want literally. I think you're right. It's eight thousand people normally. During the school year, it's 24,000. The yeah. college, and it's a massive college. I mean, if you know Mississippi State Bulldogs, there is nothing. I mean, the drive in there, it's you're driving through backwoods Mississippi, and then you come to Starkville. I mean, I went to the tailgate around the stadium, and I was like, it, it must have been the whole city out there. I mean, thousands of people. Even UT, uh, UTC, we went yeah. to a couple games down there with, with you, and even the energy at this point smaller school i mean the football Super energy small. there was was yeah. phenomenal. it's just it's very unique something unique to sec culture that Californians yeah. have so if you're 16 17 years old you got that to look forward to well and if you want to talk about sports and like the energy there is not an nfl stadium that can rival the colleges uh, there are some up north like michigan i want to go to a game in the big house like michigan atmosphere is fun some of those SEC is is different. It is a point of state pride. It is a point of pride. I mean, like Alabama, Tennessee is in, insane. And you boys loving football. I appreciate hearing about those things. But I, to kind of bring it down to your age again, though, Samuel, that was part of the culture we learned um, was I remember oh. you kids bringing home a piece of paper in junior high saying you got half a day off for a tailgate party. And I thought, what a what? My favorite was when uh, we moved out here and our new principal at the time, she's a big LSU fan. Uh, Our middle school principal came up and introduced herself. She was trying to make us feel comfortable. She's like, I like LSU. What team do you guys like? She asked me and Grace, I mean, we're from California. Like, 
I don't know anything outside of NFL. So we said Folsom Lake Community College. Which doesn't even have a football team, by the way. No, it was the community <laughs> college that my, my dad taught at. Yeah, so we were, we were like mortified. We were mortified. Oh, she she was mortified. I mean, she almost I think she might have called CPS on y'all. Because she, she looked she looked at us like, oh, you poor kids. I still remember when we when you had that orientation, I think for parents coming out, that is the cool thing. They're not the minority. There's so many kids in their shoes, you know, that you make friends a lot more quickly here. I remember the teacher talking about, I don't care what sports you're involved in. I don't care what this, that, and everything. We care about you doing well in school, that you're respecting your parents. And she goes, uh, and if we find out that you're that you're not respecting your parents or your coaches or your teachers, we're, and I'll never forget, she said, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. And I thought, yeah. I am so happy to be here. Oh, no, that's that's like a saying, come to Jesus meeting. I've heard that manager. I mean, I've heard managers at work, like we're going to have come to Jesus. I mean, everyone says. Did you find that in, in high school? Was it surprising? I mean, for those people listening with that perspective, I mean, they did they did have prayer at public football oh. games. The kids would lead that. Yeah. I remember coming home in junior high and saying, hey, mom, so-and-so got hurt, and they all prayed for him in the boys' locker room. It's the buckle of the Bible belt. I mean, it is. It's very Christ and Christian-oriented. And I remember, yeah, I remember there was one football game, right? I want to say we prayed like four out, and this was a public high school. But, uh, yeah, we prayed like before we went out to the field. We had a pastor come in at halftime and give us like our halftime speech, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, this is the same coach telling us to get our asses in line Monday through Friday. Like, there is definitely a pray on Sunday because, like, you're nobody's perfect and everything. But, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely a part of it where it's, like, respect yourself, respect others, respect God. And, uh, yeah, I remember after the, at the end of every football game, uh, coach, every, all the parents would come down and, like, stand around behind the players. Players would all take a knee. Our coach would give a little speech, like, Hey, you guys did great. Or, Hey, we'll get them next week. And then at the end, it was always, all right, who wants to lead us? And uh, we do the Lord's prayer every time. Watching what it's you're doing with your compulsory, business but now part with the, the company culture. you work for. Samuel, what do you do now? Because you do, the truth is you come from a real estate family. You know, we were investors in California and you've, uh, one your of siblings would say you didn't you sold to pull your weight like they and did with awesome. rentals and things like that. I mean, it was I coasted it at the perfect time. I think my true gift in life is timing. Quite frankly, I know you're 22, but you've been raised around real estate. So you do know a lot more uh, than most. Than some, I would say. It's one of the uh, humbling things about graduating and starting a real job is uh, really understanding how much you didn't really pay attention when you guys would talk about financing and stuff when I was growing up or like the project scope or anything. I realized how much I like looking back, I was like, I should have been taking some notes there. But yeah, I have a, I have a vague, I, I know what I'm talking about enough. So, so the takeaway to that, for those that are listening that are kids, you know, maybe in that, you know, early teen, listen to your parents. They're wise beyond their years. I got it. Okay. Try next question. Your ideal client. Uh, ideal client is someone purchasing three or more homes a year, uh, fixing and flipping them depending on where you're looking price range, we do quick close and we don't do like financing contingencies on our properties. Um, since we have to close with the seller and the buyer on the same day, we already have a close date set when you would purchase it from us. So for example, I sold one yesterday and the close date is next Friday. So if you're trying to finance with a mortgage or something that the odds of your mortgage broker getting you approved and working out all the details for that is, really slim to none. So cash, established lines of credit, um, hard money, things of that nature, being comfortable with that. And uh, yeah, looking for project properties. And an established line of credit could be something like a home equity line yeah. of credit, something you could quickly tap into. Exactly. So even though, you know, I don't want you to discourage people go, oh, gee, I can't get a mortgage. There are other options to finance yeah. to purchase these properties. Of course. Yeah. And like pre-approval for, sorry, it's just, I, I don't want them to come into it thinking like, oh, I can buy this property using a conventional bank loan and then they get under contract and then close date comes and they're like, oh, my lender's not ready. It's like, well, yeah, we, we want to make sure that that's, that's avoided. So yeah, but someone who's ready to move quick and hungry for some properties. Are clients able to bring in their own inspectors? 
So all inspection with us is on the front end. There's like the due diligence is before you sign contract and get down payment into us. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to bring a contractor, if you want to bring uh, someone to inspect the property, by all means, I would, I would recommend it, get a scope of the work idea, what you're paying for and everything. But, but now once, once we have that under contract with you, then we have the set date, close date and everything. So there's no really just being like, ah, never mind. Make sure you want it when you get us check and contract. As if if you get check and contract on a house, you're you're getting that house. That's that's the bare bones of it. And you work for a company. It's not you solo. It, you have support team. You have you okay. have checks and, and people that are actually there. So, you can lean on for support. Yeah, our company is kind of structured like everyone is licensed, so we're all agents. We all have certain responsibilities and everything. Technically, I represent New Western. Technically, I am the seller's agent on this on these deals. So I work with investors and everything. It's it's beneficial to me for if one of my investors were to buy it. But when it comes to the actual structure, we have people who represent us on the buying side. So our acquisition people, they go out and make offers for the company. They help get these properties under contract. That's actually something that I'm going to be kind of phasing into down in Chattanooga. One of the reasons for my move is that we're trying to break into this market and we need people down here buying properties so that the sales agents can sell properties down here. They technically represent the buyer. I technically represent the seller. So, and, and the cash flow is still pretty decent when it comes to Chattanooga is quite a bit cheaper uh, for investors, right? Sake than let's say Franklin. Say anywhere in Middle Tennessee, Chattanooga is cheaper than. I don't. It's I don't want to paint it as a like cheap like poverty town, but it's. It's a nice town, but super cheap. I mean, it is. I've sold homes here for fifty thousand dollars. I mean, like okay, but some of those homes people wouldn't want to live in for fifty. That, that's what. I, that's what I said. I never said live in these homes. I never <laughs> said I sold it to a nice family and they moved in the next day. But I mean, I find me a fifty thousand dollar home in Franklin. Well, but even if you look at. The amenities in Chattanooga that you can have are very similar to the amenities you can have in Franklin, but your price per square foot for a comparable home is going to be way less in Chattanooga. Yes, well, 100%. And, but one of the other reasons people do choose Middle Tennessee over Chattanooga, besides the airports, besides the Eastern time, is also they're looking for incredible school districts. Cool. And Chattanooga is does not have what middle Tennessee offers. Yes. Chattanooga, they, they do have their public schools are not as good. A lot of the, the big thing down here is private schools. I mean, they're not in Franklin private schools are like, I mean, I think BGA is like 80 something K a year or something crazy like that down here. It's not that bad, but there are, I will say again, kind of going back to the whole sports talk earlier, Chattanooga, I didn't even realize this. There's a two private I want to say either one of them is an all boys school or the, both of them are, but it's um, two private schools. They're like a rivalry. It's Baylor Macaulay. And I was looking on like, I want to say sports center or something. It was like top 20 best rivalries in college sports and Baylor Macaulay or not college sports in sports. And Baylor Macaulay was up there and it was talking like on this list was like Michigan, Ohio state Yankees, Red Sox. I mean, Tennessee, like all the big names, and then it just this one private, two private schools in Chattanooga. And I mean, it's it's intense. Oh, that's cool. And then to circle back around to your to your company, I mean, it's not just a a small operation either. I mean, how many homes does your company move a month in the Middle Tennessee area? I want to say this month, thirty five. There's there's some opportunities there. It's, it's not oh. as though you just have one house to. That no. to, to sell to an investor, there's multiple options that come up, you yes. know, over the course of a week. So it's not a small time oh, yeah. operation. No, I mean, you guys are on my email list. I mean, you guys see the the properties that we get. I mean, there are days when I will, my entire first morning will literally just be spent drafting up emails for, because we'll drop like eight properties that morning in our system. It'll be like, hey, we have two in Clarksville. We have, I mean, just yesterday we had two showings in Clarksville for properties up there. And we had three duplexes in Gallatin. It's more than just single family homes. Our bread and butter is single family. I'd probably say 60% of our stuff we get is single family. Most of it's fixed and flip. But I mean, I've sold, I've sold lots. I've sold duplexes. We have a triplex on a lake. I mean, 
it's it's a wide range for anyone looking to invest. I mean, that's one of the things that I really love about it. This company and my work now is like I said earlier, I want to eventually I want to be on the receiving end of this phone call. I, that's my goal in five years to have some 22 year old from New Western calling me and saying, <laughs> hey, I, I heard you you do properties around here. And that's that's what I'm, I'm going to get to. And this has been a great learning experience. I've made a lot of connections and I've, I think I've I've sold 14 or 15 homes. Obviously our pay structure is a lot different than a traditional realtor. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've been through 14 to 15 closings. I've dealt with contract problems. I've dealt with coding. I've dealt with, I've had a lot of experience in a very short amount of time to where when I, when I eventually do take this on, I'm going to be more prepared. Yeah. Well, and, and Samuel, if if one of our listeners decides to reach out to you, first, we'd love for you to give them your contact info. Can you do that for them right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Um, my cell number, which would probably be the fastest way to reach me, my cell is 615-651-4354. And uh, my email would be samuel.craft, craft with a K. I'm assuming you know that if you listen to this podcast, but it's 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 instinctual at this point. Um, Samuel.craft at newwestern.com. That's N-E-W-Western.com. And before we finish up this podcast, just a couple more things real quick. One, we, we love to do kind of a, a rapid round with our guests. And uh, oh, I'm, not I'm, an, I'm an avid listener. I'm Good. fully aware. Good. Where's our review? Did you do that for us? Of course. It's mm-hmm. internet it's- good, but it's not that good. For some reason, Google reviews take like eight months to process. Uh-huh. It's yeah, very good. Uh, so I want to ask you like some of your favorites. Yeah. So it's our kind of rapid round. First, Samuel. Hey, let me let me dovetail with this. Focus on Chattanooga because a lot of our listeners, we talk a lot about Middle Tennessee. We don't have a lot about Chattanooga. So give us your favorites in Chattanooga. Okay. Favorite Mexican restaurant. Favorite Mexican restaurant in Chattanooga. Las Margaritas. Okay. Why? Uh, it's in Hickman Margaritas. They, it's the margaritas. Perfect. But no, it's a, it's a very nice, good Mexican food. It's got a big balcony. It's, and I mean, Chattanooga. One thing about Chattanooga that's kind of weird that I wasn't expecting is it's relatively like temperate here climate wise. I mean, I was expecting I'm going to move to the mountains. It's going to be snow and cold, but the mountains actually break up a lot of the bad storms. So, I mean, majority of the year, I mean, a lot of, that's why it's everyone loves doing outdoor stuff out here. It's it's a lot of outdoors opportunities. Yeah. Big balcony close to my, where I used to live. It's a favorite among me and my friends. Mm -hmm. Perfect. How about favorite uh, coffee shop? Favorite coffee shop. Frothy monkey is down here. Well, hold on. No, no, no. You're thinking of Franklin frothy monkey. Oh, a little it's yeah it's a little hippie cop shop this frothy monkey is crazy first it's in the old chattanooga choo-choo like train station it's like a little people do tours there and everything yeah. um and it's a full restaurant bar and coffee shop so that's where me and my but we don't have a like i said we're just starting to break into chattanooga so we don't have a full office down here yet so me and my co-workers will go there grab coffee grab a beer and work from there for a couple hours I don't know if you guys mentioned this on the podcast before. It must have been on an episode I wasn't listening to. Um, but so any one of them. But uh, In and Out Burger is actually moving there. Like south, they're expanding into the southeast, and they're putting their headquarters like where two minutes from where we used to live in Franklin, like 20, 30 minutes south of Nashville. And there's going to be like three or four In and Outs in Franklin or in Nashville throughout the next like five years or something like that. I don't know the time frame, but I've said, I've been saying this no joke since I, before I started my first job, before I made any money, I said, if they ever open an in and out down here, I will single-handedly keep it in business. And I, I plan to keep that promise. Did you, did you hear that your father went and got in and out burger? I did actually, before we started, I, I will say that that was a tough goodbye from California. Um, in terms of like friends and stuff, I don't miss any of my 11-year-old friends. I love my family. I see them a good bit, but 
in and out burger. I miss it. Yeah, dad dad sent a picture well, to your brother to rub it in. Classic. Uh I will say speaking on the food though, I didn't I don't know we didn't touch on this. The barbecue and everything down here, the food itself, the burgers, I mean I feel like I'm just only going off meat related stuff. They don't do veggies great, but they do they do really good barbecue and uh-huh. things of that nature. Mac and cheese, pasta. Yeah, they do that really great. Well, when I went to Brooks, the grocery store in Chapel Hill the other day, and uh Brooks makes a lot of food there. A lot of yeah. it's really good stuff. You can pop out so, good, yeah. Yeah. And so on the little containers, they'll put what kind of food it is, like potato salad or whatever. On this one, it said single vegetable, and on the inside was mac and cheese. Yeah. No, that's if you look on this is not like yeah. They, they will put mac and cheese on the vegetable side or like something that's been like deep fried, uh-huh. okay, like deep fried okra. And it's like, that's yeah. still a vegetable. Right. Um, but yeah, food down here is great. How about a favorite park to take your favorite pooch, Scout? My, my favorite park in the area, it, it'd probably just be, it's anyone listening from Chattanooga, I'm sorry I'm going to give such a basic answer, but it's it's Coolidge Park. It's the park just right downtown next to the river. It's the one, if you've ever seen the Chattanooga Pedestrian Bridge, one end of that bridge is in Coolidge Park, and then the other end goes to, like, the actual kind of downtown area. It's beautiful. It's where you go. There's a little, like, sculpture garden. It has shopping right nearby. It has my favorite, I don't know, this isn't a question, favorite deli shop in Chattanooga. River Street Deli is right there. Love it. Um, Yeah. It's awesome. I, it's run by this old New Yorker guy. And my first time going in there, I asked him if like I could get this specific sandwich with no onions. And he was like, now nah, you're getting the onions. Trust me, you're going to love the onions. The onions are going to be on there. And if there's a problem, then you bring it back. And I haven't tried arguing with him since. I keep um, my, you're, you're 22. So old New York guy is, is a relative term. He's probably like oh, 45 he's like 35. years old. Yeah, no, yeah. he's an ancient. Um, yeah. No, no, he's like 60 or something. Okay, do you have like a favorite music venue or place you go to hear music or that you know that your friends enjoy? Um, the Tivoli is a theater down here. I don't think I've been there for a concert. It's like a historical theater. I've been there for a comedy show. I saw Theo Vaughn there. It's a very cool venue. Besides that, I mean, we do the Moon River Festival. And again, that's in Coolidge Park. It's like a music festival down here. Zach Bryan or some big country star was just down here for that. So, yeah, I'd say Coolidge Park or the Tivoli. Okay. And so if if you are an investor listening to the podcast today or interested in, in becoming an investor, you are going to want to reach out to Samuel to get his information on how to be just a part of his email list so you can be seeing things that most people aren't seeing. Yeah. And I mean, aside from the properties, it's also... One of the things like I was talking about earlier that I love about this is being able to build my network where I have, if you're like you were talking earlier about one of folks on lending or you're worried about having a contractor to do the work, I I now have people on my phone. I have contractors who I sell homes to. I have lenders who have funded. I have have lenders who have funded deals like day before. Like I, I have people that I work with. So if you're just looking to build a network like that, if you need contractors, even for personal stuff, then by all means... Feel free to reach out and I'll, I can, I, I almost guarantee you, I can have someone who can help you. That, you mentioned earlier, your ideal client is somebody who's looking to buy, you know, three properties a year. But if somebody's just looking to get, you know, just start and buying their first one, I mean, yeah. that's still a good, a good opportunity for them to reach out to you. Oh yeah. No, yeah. It's not, it's not a requirement. I'm not going to say, Hey, don't, don't call me unless you're doing 10 properties a year and you're going to buy them off me. No, buy them. I, if you just want more info on the market, if you just want, I mean, yeah, if you just want to get started, then I'm more than happy to help with that. And I will say, Samuel, you are you are very level-headed. You are great at follow-through and organization. Um, and, and I know I'm your mother, so it's I was about very to say, Yeah, hard. all listeners just know, yeah, this is, this is an unbiased opinion here. I um, am, in fact, great. And uh, you're just a sweetheart. Uh, yes, you are a sweetheart. But five-star Google review, love mom. Yeah, <laughs> but you are. I mean, yeah. I'm just. Are you coming home anytime soon? That's a question. <laughs> You've been interviewed on our podcast. I know you're an avid podcast listener. Should Joe Rogan be shaking in his boots right now? No. Uh, <laughs> you guys are great people, though. I love you guys. Here's what I'll say. 
Actually, I, mean, I was gonna say if it was between you guys and Joe Rogan, I'd choose you guys. But I mean, he just he's so he's so great at his guests and everything. I don't know. You guys do good though. Do well, good work. Sam, here's where here's where I'm gonna put Samuel on the spot. Samuel, uh, for those people thinking about moving to Tennessee, looking to buy a home, we do have a real estate company, Maplewood Realty, and I I don't do a good enough job during the interview to really share about our company. But Samuel, if if you didn't know us, which I know is hard to do. How would you, why would you want to work with us? What do you know? Because you know us very well. What makes our real estate company somebody you'd want to work with? I would say talking to you, but hearing dad's information, if that makes sense. (laughs) That's what I would look like. If I was someone moving out here and like, there's all the agents out there. A lot of them are solo acts or something where it's very much like you only get one facet, I'd say. With you guys, you kind of get, yeah, that's what I would say. Cool. Well, very good. You, well, like I told you, son, you're you're a healthy part of both of us. You're smart with a heart. Yeah, more unbiased praise from my mother. I appreciate that, mom. Samuel, did you want to say anything else to our listeners while you have them here before we uh, close this party down? Um, the older I get the more I kind of respect and appreciate how difficult the decision to move across country must have been. And the more appreciative I am that you guys did in fact do that. So if, yeah, like you said earlier, I just want to say, I mean, play the long game, focus on the future. First year sucks. Second year sucks less. Third year is good. Fourth year is great. And every year after that, it's just, it just gets better. Thanks for listening to Exodus California Moving to Tennessee. We are so grateful for listeners like you. Show us your appreciation and subscribe and share this podcast with all your friends and family. And if you'd like to talk to somebody from our office, you can email us at info at maplewoodrealty.net. That's info at maplewoodrealty.net. And we can get you started on your own personalized real estate listings because we'd love to help you make Tennessee home. You gonna go to the next question, Joe? Well, it's, I think we already answered pretty much what we did right or wrong. I don't think I went deep enough into the wrong part, but if we want to move on, I guess I guess we can skip ahead. Yeah, we'll skip that part. So, how can people get a hold of you, son, if they want? No, stop! Don't say son. Hey, little boy. How can people get a hold of you, buddy? Hey, <laughs> guy. You got a cell phone? Do you have a exit theme music? Do you do the uh, I did. Song? The song? Oh. <laughs> do you have theme music? <laughs> I do have theme music. You'd be very proud of me if you listened to it once in your I life. <laughs> hey, I, 20 bucks says you'll listen to this episode. You got that, Mom? You made sure to hit record before that, right? Just blew out my dang speakers. Dad has a cold that will hit the blooper reel. No, it won't hit the blooper reel. Okay, dear. Barbecue's ready.